title of my message this morning is The Power of a Testimony. Power of a Testimony. How many of us have a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of fear when it comes to evangelizing and sharing Jesus with somebody else? You can raise your hands if that's you. The rest of you are liars. We all have a little anxiety, and one of our excuses is, what if I I sound stupid? What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? What if, what if, what if, there, I don't have to do it. Obviously, I'm not the one. I'll pray for somebody else to be the one. The power of a testimony. We're going to look at some testimony in in the story this week. And for those of you that are following along, I hope that's all of you. It's chapter 23 of the story. It was actually titled in the book, Jesus' Ministry Begins. And we're going to look at the power of a couple of testimonies. And keeping in mind, and I'll remind you later on and maybe a number of times in between, you and I have a testimony. If Jesus Christ has saved you, you He is your Lord and Savior, you have a testimony. And it's important, and you'll see why if you don't already understand that. I want to start out with the Gospel of John, the word believe, believe, not just mental assent, agreeing with something, but I believe it. I believe it is true, therefore I'm going to act upon it. In the Gospel of John, he uses that word 98 times. I think it was important. I think that was the message he was trying to get across. We're supposed to believe something. And John makes it very clear what it is he wanted the people to believe. In John chapter 20, verse 30, 31, he writes these words. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But then he says this, but these are written. Aha, he's given us the reason. Just think, if you'd have been walking with Jesus those three years of ministry, can you comprehend how many things you'd have been going, wow, this guy is amazing. And then you're just going to condense it into a few chapters. What would you pick and why would you pick it? He's going to let us know why he picked what he wrote. He says this, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in His name. That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who saves. That you may believe that He is that person. That He is the Son of God. It's a really big deal that we believe. And he went on in John 21, verse 25, he says, Jesus did so many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. In other words, he's just reinforcing this concept. He did so much more than what I'm going to write about, but I'm going to write what I really think is important, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's one of the reasons when somebody comes to me as a relatively new believer or hasn't been exposed to much of the Bible and said, gee, I pick up that book, where should I read? What should your answer be? Gospel of John. Start there. Just go to the Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit will teach them to believe, revealing to him. John is going to tell us that the solution to all the world's problems and your problems, my problems, isn't a what, it's a who. Jesus. 
You know, we all pray for him to do a whole bunch of things. I would believe if. No, I believe because he is who he says he is. And when we go through the Bible, there's all kinds of miracles. Man, I want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders. But you know what? It's way more important that we understand and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what's important. It's so easy to fall into the snare of the enemy and get your eye on what Jesus does instead of who He is. Because I want to read this to you so I say it just the way I want it to come across. And it should be on the screen behind me. We have to understand who He is before we can understand what He came to do. What He is going to do will only make a difference. It will only matter if He is who He says He is. Think about that for a second. Everything that Jesus did, if He wasn't the Son of God, it wouldn't have mattered. So for us to truly understand what He did, we have to first get, who is He? He's the Son of God. And as Brian shared last week with the birth of Christ, God in the flesh, coming to earth. Jesus, the Son of God. And we're going to look at, at John sharing. Now remembering, John says, I'm going to share what I'm going to share because I want you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And it's interesting that one of the things we're going to look at, and actually these are the two things I'm going to focus on in all of what was in this chapter in the book, two people. First one is the woman at the well, the Samaritan, and then at a leper. And we're going to look at those two, and we're going to look at the testimony of those two. But before I do that, I'm going to take just a quick rabbit trail back to understanding who Jesus is. You know, when Jesus came, when the Holy Spirit, when Mary woke up one day and discovered she's pregnant after having a conversation with the angel of the Lord, what were the words that finally gave her a sense of peace, I believe? Mary, the Holy One born to you is the Son of God. So what we're going to do first is I'm going to share a testimony with you. And I'm going to share it via video. And it's a little bit longer than some of the video clips that I normally show. So if you want to turn the lights off on the stage and go ahead and start the video, would you, Mary? It's the most incredible feeling because you're where you belong. And contentment is given to you in life because you don't have to look anywhere else. And you're where you need to be. And the question about life is answered. I'm Brian Ed Welch, and I'm second. There's probably a lot of you who have never heard of Brian Head Welch. You're probably wondering what quitting corn means. Brian Head Welch was a lead guitarist for a new metal band called Corn, and they were a big deal. Their records went platinum. Number more than one went platinum. They won Grammy Awards. Had it all. Now, for most of us who don't know who this guy was, and you first see that guy on that screen, what do you think? Who is that freak? 
Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that way. You know, Brian Welch understood something. He understood the gospel. He understood what redemption was. He understands what a transformed life is. The new life that Jesus offered to him. You know, he loves the who more than the what. And the what was pretty impressive. He took this man who was living for the devil in every way you can imagine and transformed him. But he loves the Jesus, the who, way more. So much so that he can't shut up and quit talking about it. And when you first saw his tattoos, you probably went, if you're my age anyway, holy cow, what's with that guy? Yeah, you did. Don't deny it. Then you started seeing close-ups. Scripture, Father God, all these things. He's a walking billboard for a transformed life. What he really is, is a modern-day woman at the well. The woman at the well, if you remember the story, when Jesus stopped at the well, there's a Samaritan woman who comes and is at this well, and a Samaritan woman was like, as bad as it gets, especially this one. She had three strikes against her right away. She was a Samaritan, a mixed race. They worshipped a combination of God and pagan gods. The Jewish people despised him, wouldn't even walk through their countryside. They'd avoid him at all costs. She was a woman. No Jewish Hebrew man worth his salt would even talk to a woman in public, much less a Samaritan woman. And here is Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. And her third strike was she was sexually as immoral as it could get. Had all these husbands and living with another guy. Kind of the untouchable. First of all, who'd want to go evangelize her? And secondly, God really doesn't even want to save her anyway. Kind of like a Brian Head Welch. But when she meets with Jesus, she has an encounter with Jesus. All of us, if we're saved, have had an encounter with Jesus of one sort or another. And for most of us, that encounter with Jesus was through somebody else. And they may or may not have, in that encounter, shared who Jesus is, but they probably shared what he did in their life. This woman got so excited in this, this meeting with Jesus... It says, if you read it in the Scripture, it says she left her water jar at the well and she went running back into town. She was so excited. And now remember who she is. Probably not a lot of credibility in the community. Looked down on in the community. Not one of those impressive people we should listen to in the community. She was running in the community. She is so excited. All she can do is talk about, I met this man named Jesus and I think he's the Messiah. She had an encounter with Jesus. And he reached her in such an interesting way. He met her where she was. They both had a need. They both needed water. And he took that mutual need that they both had and he twisted it just a little bit to something spiritual. 
and says, you know, I got something better for you than water. I've got living water that you'll never thirst again. And he, he pointed out that he was not a normal guy by telling her a lot about herself that he would never have known. Affirming that this person might be someone special. And in this case, the Messiah. She took and went into the city telling everybody what happened. Telling her testimony and combining her testimony that the words that Jesus spoke. And her testimony stirred interest and it says a bunch of people ran out to see Jesus and they heard His words. And it says many believed. Now how much rabbinical training do you think the Samaritan woman at the well had? How much Scripture do you think she could quote? You think she had all the answers? Yes, yeah, she did actually. Jesus is the answer to all the problems. Her testimony stirred an interest, created an opportunity for Jesus to show off. The power of a testimony, that personal encounter, the effect that it had. And she went back, and and when she was telling the people, he revealed himself, it's the Messiah, it's the who. Yeah, it was kind of cool, he told me all about myself, But it's the Messiah. The one we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. Go check it out. The message, the word, and the testimony. Powerful combination. Then there's a second person. The leper. Mary, would you pray this really short clip? Instead of me telling you about it. Wouldn't you love to tackle Jesus? I love that video because sometimes we just think of this Jesus as this guy who walked around with a scowl on his face doing whatever it was he had to do. I believe he just loved doing miracles. You know, when we talk about the good Samaritan or the Samaritan woman at the well, Almost this untouchable, doesn't probably deserve salvation. All these things we could conjure up in our mind. Really, she's us. You and me. We did not deserve salvation. When we look at the leper, the leper also had strikes against him. He had two huge problems. One was physical. The skin diseases and this big category that they called leprosy in a hot land and a hot climate, painful and you are spiritually unclean. You are a castaway. You noticed in the video how they had him approach Jesus. A leper couldn't approach anybody. He took out a huge step of faith by approaching him, even though he turned and knelt and turned his back to him because you couldn't approach someone. They were that unapproachable. If you went and touched a leper, you were spiritually unclean. You had to go be cleansed. The untouchables. We're like the leper. We're sick and dying without Jesus. We see in both of these examples the untouchables, the undesirables, the unlovables 
being met by the compassion and love of Jesus. He would touch the untouchables and love the unlovable. And then we see the response in both of these people. The power of their testimony. The leper, he, he, he kind of even kind of blew it. You know, remember what Jesus said to him after he healed him? Don't go tell anybody. He, did, he told him to go do the Jewish thing. You were to go to the temple and present yourself to the priest and you had to be declared clean. Please don't go tell anybody. Well, he probably did what we'd have done, right? We told everybody we could come across. You know, and there's a little lesson in there that I won't elaborate on, but you know, sometimes in our enthusiasm, we lose track of God's plan versus our own plan. Why would Jesus tell him not to tell anybody, for goodness sakes? If you've read that story, ever wondered about that? Well, if you read the rest of the story, you'll discover from that point on, Jesus couldn't go into the cities and teach the word. He had to go out in the countryside because he'd be overwhelmed by the people. And even in the countryside, he was overwhelmed by the people. So God, God used this guy's testimony in a, an amazing way. And we see a couple things similar, a couple things different. The testimony of, of the, the woman at the well. People responded and were saved immediately. You know what? With the, the leper, we don't necessarily know. We know that thousands of people were drawn to Jesus. And eventually, because of healing, signs, wonders, and miracles, as in the teachings, were saved. But we don't know directly what happened because of His teaching itself. We know that what changed his life forever was that personal encounter with Jesus Christ. But we know again, it didn't stop there. They shared their testimony. You know, and it doesn't matter. Go back to the woman at the well. How dramatic was the change in her? Outwardly, not a big deal. She went out to get that water with her jar and she came back without the jar and without any water and she booked about the same. But the power of her testimony caused people to want to know more about the who, Jesus. Lesson for us there is, you know, all, all her role was to go and share the testimony. And it was the role of the Holy Spirit to convict the heart change the people. You and I have a testimony. It's to point people to the who. Sharing your story. You're not responsible how they respond. It's not your job to save anyone. You know, good thing, because you can't. But we can share our testimony. Point them to Jesus. That is the purpose of the testimony. Talk about the what, but point them to the who. The Samaritan woman at the well, the untouchable, the, the, dirt, the dirty, the immoral, shared her testimony and pointed to Jesus. The leper, on the other hand, had a much more dramatic testimony for the people that literally witnessed it. But if you didn't know him and he started telling you about his healing, well, maybe you were healed. But whoever he was telling, he was pointing them to Jesus. Where did this healing come from? How did this happen? 
we need to always be aware that those people had a divine appointment and you have them every day. So do I. What do we do with those divine appointments? Those encounters where you or I get to be the one to tell them about the what and point them to the who. What is your testimony? Well, my idea, it's not like the lepers. It's not near that cool. Brian Welch, the, the lead guitarist for Korn, he has this platform. I don't have a very big platform. I'm just me. Your testimony is just as powerful because it's the Holy Spirit that will use it. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. A simple testimony can be amazingly effective. And that's something we need to understand. It can be used to draw people into an encounter with Jesus. It doesn't have to be dramatic. I know some of your testimonies, and some of them are pretty dramatic from, from the human way of thinking. If we think of this in a spiritual sense, if you're saved, that was a dramatic experience. That is a dramatic testimony. As a matter of fact, you're going from death to life becoming a part of the kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness is way more impressive than any sign or wonder that we might normally think of. You have a dramatic testimony. But it doesn't have to be a showy one to be effective. Jesus will meet all kinds of people right where they are. (coughs) How many of you, if you met Brian Head Welch, And if you've never been into that culture, you're wondering where the head came from, and I'm not going to explain it to you from here. How many of you would approach Brian Welch and and tried to lead him to Jesus? How many of you looked at it and said, this guy's a freak, I'm not going near him, and certainly not going to let my kids get near him? We need to understand that Jesus saved you and he saved me. And his spirit, we looked as bad as he did. Or worse. Our testimony can be used to save anybody. And we need to realize that no one is outside the reach of Jesus. Okay, Everybody raise your hand once. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Now everybody look around, everybody raising their hand. They were all beyond the reach of Jesus. If you'd have looked at them before they were saved. Everybody is in the natural. Nobody is in the spiritual. And your testimony is powerful in leading people to an encounter with Jesus Christ. What compelled Jesus? His compassion. We need to develop our compassion. If we have the Holy Spirit living in us, that's in there somewhere. No matter what your life experiences are, no matter how hardened you may have become, it's in there. We need to develop that compassion and we need to look at everybody like Jesus did and realize no one is unlovable, no one is untouchable, and nobody is out of the reach of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is bigger and better than that. And we need to just do our part. If you don't go beyond your comfort zone, there's going to be a whole lot of people that you're going to miss the opportunity to be that link in pointing them to Jesus. Your comfort zone. 
you know, really, your comfort zone is pretty boring. Wouldn't you love to get up on a stage somewhere? Well, maybe that'd scare you, but wouldn't you love to be able to sit down and tell stories of all these people that accepted Jesus because you were talking to them? How cool would that be? Don't you find yourself wishing that was you when you're listening to somebody tell all those amazing stories? Well, guess what? You've got to approach somebody before you're ever going to get the opportunity to have an amazing story. And get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. Remember this. No matter what thoughts start swirling in your mind, no one is out of the reach of Jesus. And you might be the one that's going to point them to him. It could be you. And it's not your responsibility how they respond. Sometimes that's that fear part that creeps in. Well, what if they don't? What if they don't? Well, let me ask you this. How does that impact you if they don't? It's not your job. Quit pretending you're the Holy Spirit. Our job is just to share and have opportunities to point people to Christ. It is your responsibility to do that. It's part of the Great Commission. Go make disciples. Step one is they ought to get saved and meet Jesus before they can become a disciple. So we're all called to do this. And I hear this, and I've said this myself so many times, what if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? Matter of fact, I have some people that come to me, and you maybe had some people, Mike, you've got to come talk to this person. Well, why? Because I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question I won't know the answer to. And I look at them and think, boy, are you deceived if you think I know the answers? There's one answer. Everybody get this now. What's the one answer? We, I, I use this jokingly all the time. The answer to every question is, Jesus, that's right. When it comes to need of human needs, humanity's needs, Jesus is the answer. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. And I want you to raise your hand if you can answer it. Yes. How many of you have a testimony? Okay, everybody look around. This is an accountability test. Keep your hand up. Some of you that are doing this, Chris, get it up higher. Okay. Okay. Everybody see that? Good. Okay, you can put them down now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start working on a five-minute testimony. I want you to start writing it out on a piece of paper, a five-minute testimony. And I'm going to start hassling you if you don't do this. So is Casey. So are all the elders. And so are all the elders' wives. Okay? So that's at least 13 of us. 14. Cindy Barnes, we'll recruit her to hassle too. She's good at it. <laughs> oh, just me. She has just me. Seriously, get a five minute thing, practice it, rehearse it, and then we're going to videotape you. We're going to videotape you in privacy so you don't have to stand in front of a big crowd. You're going to, we can do as many takes as it takes to make you look good, as good as you want to look. Okay? But we want to get this library of your testimonies because people sitting in this room need to hear your testimony. 
I get people that come to me in counseling that have maybe visited the church once or twice. And one of the things they'll end up sharing with me is, God, I just don't feel comfortable coming. You guys all got your act together. You must see us through different glasses than I wear. They, but people think that. They think you have your act together. They're, they're so deceived, they think, I have my act together. We don't. They need to know that. And they need to know what Jesus has done in your life. Okay, so, will you do that? Please. We're going to hassle you if you don't. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word says that your word and the power of a testimony, God, will lead people to Jesus. Lord, I thank you that, that we can point people to your word, we can use your word, we can share the scriptures, but Lord, we have a personal testimony that we can also share. We can be like that Samaritan woman at the well. It doesn't matter who we've been in the past. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. We can talk about what Jesus has done and point them to who Jesus is. God, we're no better than that woman. We're no better than that leper. We're certainly no better than Brian Welch. But God, you will use our testimony. So Lord, I pray that you help each one of us to kind of filter our life into that five-minute testimony that we might share it with others, that they could be encouraged and pointed towards Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that we have a testimony, that you called us, that you give us the grace to respond, that we could receive by grace through our faith. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. I pray now, Lord, you would bless each one as we go our different ways today. Father, watch over us, protect us, and help us to see those divine appointments you put before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.